morning. Today's passage is from Genesis 2, verses 18 to 25. If you'd like to follow me, you can turn to page 6 of your bulletin. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord gave the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they became one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Buenos días. La lectura de hoy viene del libro de Génesis, capítulo 2, versículo 18 al 25. Luego Dios el Señor dijo, No es bueno que el hombre esté solo. Voy a hacerle una ayuda adecuada. Entonces Dios el Señor formó de la tierra toda ave del cielo y todo animal del campo, y se los llevó al hombre para ver qué nombre les pondría. El hombre les puso nombre a todos los seres vivos, y con ese nombre se les conoce. Así el hombre fue poniéndoles nombre a todos los animales domésticos, a todas las aves del cielo y a todos los animales del campo. Sin embargo, no se encontró entre ellos la ayuda adecuada para el hombre. Entonces Dios el Señor hizo que el hombre cayera en un sueño profundo, y mientras éste dormía, le sacó una costilla y le cerró la herida. De la costilla que le había quitado al hombre, Dios el Señor hizo una mujer y se la presentó al hombre, el cual exclamó, Esta sí es hueso de mis huesos y carne de mi carne. Se llamará mujer, porque del hombre fue sacada. Por eso el hombre deja a su padre y a su madre y se une a su mujer, y los dos se funden en un solo ser. En ese tiempo, el hombre y la mujer estaban desnudos, pero ninguno de los dos sentía vergüenza. All right. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your spirit. He's such a gift to us that you would give us eyes to see not only what's true and real and beautiful and compelling in this passage, but that we would see Jesus, that we would see you, and that our lives would be changed. And so make these words come alive and help us to hear your voice through your words and glorify yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just simply to dive right in into today's passage, 
This is a passage about community, about relationships. Can we talk about that for just a few minutes? It's a passage about community, and so maybe someone says, no, 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 it's not. It's about marriage, isn't it? It's what I've been taught. That's the way I read it, and that's what I see in here. Well, yes, that is true. Both Jesus himself and the Apostle Paul quote from this passage when teaching about sex and marriage in Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 6, Ephesians 5. This passage is about the original institution of marriage, and so absolutely there's a lot that it teaches us about marriage, and we're going to focus on that topic next week. Come back next week. But if that's all we can glean from this text, then we're missing something vitally important because there's a a broader reading of this passage, another layer of interpretation that teaches us not just about marriage, but about all human relationships in general, all relationships, community. And what it teaches us first and foremost, what we see is that it teaches us about our need for relationship. You and I were created to be in community. You were made to need people. As we see in verse 18, right from the start of this passage, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And if you've been tracking with us week after week over the last couple of weeks, you realize what just those first few words mean and just how shocking and stunning they ought to be. That time and again, as God made this world beautiful, ordered, purposeful, imaging his glory, that he pronounced his great blessing and benediction over all things. It is good. It is good. The water and the lands, the beasts, the birds of the the air, the skies, the heavens, the planets, the stars, humanity. It is good. It is good. It is good. Because God does everything right. And he made all things very good. And yet here we are. The first time ever in all the Bible that we hear God say that something is not good. And what is that something? It is not good that we should be alone. In fact, you notice in the next couple of verses, in verses 19 through 21, that man was given the, the blessing of all companionship with animals and his surroundings, livestock, all the birds in the sky, the wild animals, all of creation, yet none of that was ever enough. Which as an aside is maybe a little bit of a heads up to us that as much as a, a blessing as our pets and our animals are, and they are, whew, falling apart here. And this part of the Bible affirms the blessedness of even our pets. We're reminded that even they cannot take the place of what only other human lives and friends can give us. 
We need relationships, and it's not because there's something wrong with us. We live, and I'd say even especially in modern times more than ever, we live with this myth that our individual existence, our independence, is the highest form of being. That if I was really mature, if I was really strong, if I was really all that I was designed to be, then I wouldn't need any of you. I wouldn't need to pick up the phone when life is hard. I wouldn't feel this feeling of loneliness. I wouldn't need to be in community. I ought to just be able to be with me and just me alone and handle the brokenness of life by myself. But oh, I guess I'll give in to all that's flawed and broken about me. Oh, I guess I guess I need friends. And some of you say this to yourself, I wish I weren't so needy. And it's a lie. (laughs) Do you see it? You were made for a relationship because you were made like God. Because the God of the Bible is a God who in himself and for all of eternity, in his very essence was and is and forever will be a community. This is the Bible's idea in the presentation of God as a trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God and three persons. Divine community. Which tells us that far from our view of individuality, it's actually in community that the highest form of being is actually found. We need people in our lives because we were made in the image of the God who is both three and one. It is not good for man to be alone. Do you understand, friends, that you will never be you if you are always a me And never a we. That your destiny and your fulfillment and your sense of being and who you are and your personality and how God wired you, you were made to be plugged in and then to flourish in the context of other people's lives and not only alone. Which is such a challenge to us, isn't it? Do you turn to other people only as a last resort? Do you see relationships only as a means to an end and not as an end in itself? I mean, some of us really struggle with this. I do. Loving people just for who they are and not just for what they can give to me. Relationships that so easily become just part of my master plan of glorifying myself, advancing my career, We're just feeling better today. We were made for a relationship. And dear friends, isn't this why we're so hungry in our soul sometimes? The ways in which we fill ourselves with so many other things, twisted things, misapplied things. There's nothing wrong with social media. But are we using that to fill a void that only real human beings face-to-face in Proximate community can fill. Sex is a gift from God. Are you using it, however, 
to actually keep people at a distance, to enjoy all of its pleasures, but to refuse to be known and truly loved. If relationships are to be this important to us, friends, do you prioritize other human lives? When you think about how you order, not just your daily schedule, but where you live, would you ever move from one part of the neighborhood or one part of the city or one part of the country to another simply to be closer to people, to be in community? To actually elevate, even above all pursuits of power and money and title and success, and in this city, maybe more than anything, access, who you know, elevating even above all these things as the highest of all priorities, second to our priority of knowing God, knowing one another. Would you dare to live like that? What might change if relationships and people actually took the central place in life that they were meant to, that you were meant to in my life, that I was meant to in yours? I need more friends. I'm not saying that as a general statement. I'm talking about me. I've been reflecting about this, reflecting on this this week. I need deeper friendships. I need more go-to people with whom I can just let down my hair. And I don't know why I always use that expression. That <laughs> kick off my heels. Right? I don't know, right? <laughs> Be known. Be myself. Know you. Do you feel that way too? And so, of course, we ask, and it's right for us to ask this passage, what are some of the characteristics and attributes of these relationships that are just so necessary, right? If it's true, they're central. We can't live without other people. We're meant to be in community. It's part of our being made in the image of God. Yes, yes, yes. But what does that look like? Well, of course, the Bible unpacks that in great detail, cover to cover, so many things that we could say. And even in this passage, so many things that we could point to. Can we just point out three simple things? And I'm going to pass through them fairly quickly. We can talk about them some more in Q&A if you'd like to. We can work through them in community as we should, but let me give you three attributes, three qualities, three characteristics of these relationships that are so vital. Number one, committed relationships. You look at verse 23, the man takes a look at the one that was created by his side, the woman, and he calls out perhaps to no one in particular, I imagine, though the audience he has before him is the woman herself and the God who made them both. And he says, verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is more than just the first Hallmark greeting card written, you know, or a, a poem of love written to his new wife. Uh, this is actually an ancient form of taking a vow. One of my professors 
in seminary, Gordon Hugenberger, who did a, a lot of study on the covenant of marriage and ancient forms of expression and covenants that were made, points out that this was, in, in the Latin phrase, a, a verba solemnia, a solemn vow that was being made. He was making a promise of commitment. I belong to this person, and this person belongs to be me. My bones are her bones, and my flesh is her flesh, and vice versa. I don't know where I end and she begins. This is the nature of my commitment. We'll unpack this next week as it applies to marriage, but dear friends, this absolutely applies to relationships that we were meant to share in human community, and especially Christian community. I described it in the beginning as committed relationships. That word commitment, it's not only thin these days, sometimes it's a little bit intimidating. Commitment. It's like a bad word. What it really is, what I'm really talking about here, is promised relationship. Vowed Friendship, And if that sounds weird to you, it's because we've totally done away with the idea in modern times. I mean, you look at ancient novels, just even fictional literature and the way in which friendships are described. We have no capacity of understanding the kind of bond that's being presented except through erotic terms and categories. It's why when you watch The Lord of the Rings and you see how these hobbits interact, you kind of sit there a little bit uncomfortable. Like, hey, are, are, are dudes allowed to, allowed to talk to each other that way? You know? What, what, what's the nature of these friendships? The, one of the best examples of this is the relationship between King David and Jonathan, who was, by the way, the son, Jonathan, the son of the present king of Israel who was out to kill David, his best friend. And yet they exchanged vows, as it were, promising both affection and loyalty to each other. And the Bible calls that friendship. Do you know that sort of friendship? Friendship that's protected and held together by commitments and promises that say, I'm going to be here for you, not just out of convenience, but out of commitment, even covenant. I won't bail out on you when the going gets tough. I'm not in this relationship simply for how I benefit from you, but just as much for how I humbly believe I might be able to benefit you, serving you, loving you, not based on my present affections and emotions in relation to you, but because of the way I and my soul have obligated myself to you. C.S. Lewis, the great English Christian writer, says this, to the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves, the crown of life and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. Do you know this kind of committed relationship? Are you up for it? Do you long for it? I'm just so humbled at the flakiness of my heart. I got a phone call yesterday from a person, have not been able to spend much time with her 
recently, but not only was certainly in a bank of friends in past years, was even on our church staff prior when I was working for our downtown congregation. Uh, For all I know, she might hear this, and this will be my confession to her. We talked again in the afternoon. She calls me up because she's caught in the snowstorm. I'm busy. Kids are screaming, right? Uh, Trying to feed them. Paula was out of the house in that time. And here she lets me know, I think I might be stuck in the snowstorm. My kids are with me, and she lives a bit of ways away. She doesn't live in this town anymore. And I kind of mumble something and say something about the kids and basically find a way to hang up the phone. (laughs) Because it really was not going to be convenient to say, come on over to our house. And come on over and interrupt my fine plans for a wonderful day off. Come on over and interrupt my comfort and convenience and my paradise of an uninterrupted life and Sabbath and whatever. The selfishness. Paula comes home and I tell her what had happened and how I kind of sort of try to weasel my way out. And she was like, you did what? Give her a call back. What are you doing? And I sort of, with my tail between my legs, was sort of like, don't tell anyone I did this. So here you are. I'm telling everyone. (laughs) It's my heart. Is it yours? The, 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 The creativity with which we will get out of obligation of relationships. But what if there's a God? A God in the garden. Who in creating this man and here this woman took vows to them. A verba solemnia who said, Here, you are bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, created in my image. What if there's a God who said, I will give up my bones and my flesh, be slaughtered for you and my son, withhold nothing, not just my Saturday afternoon. I give you my life, my treasure on the cross and his son to love you, who you, me, who, who does everything we possibly can to run out of this relationship with God, to flee from commitment and obligation, not just to one another, to him who flake out on him on a daily basis, and yet he says again and again, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. What if you meet that God? What if he changes your heart? What if he dares to change mine? Then maybe he'll make us not just into folks that practice committed, promised, covenanted relationships sacrificially, but maybe he would make it a joy to be like him. Committed relationships. Number two, complementary relationships. We're working with C's here. Committed relationships, complementary relationships. You see verse 18, God sees the need for companionship, for partnership, for friendship. And he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a a helper suitable for him. Again, in the second half of verse 20, a suitable helper is provided. This word suitable, literally in the ancient Hebrew, means in front of. Someone that stands across from you, kind of like a mirror image of yourself 
similar and yet different. Uh, The word can actually mean opposite to or corresponding to. We're we're being told that the man was given a complementary helper. A person that was different and therefore, because different, right for him. This word helper, which is really in the ancient Hebrew, a word that's closer to meaning rescuer. It's a strong word. A a word for someone who, who saves your life. It's actually a word that's most often used for God. A complimentary helper is someone who has resources and assets that you don't have, power that you don't have, a person you need that you can stand, stand, stand side by side with in mutual dependence. Indeed, we see in verse 21 that the woman is taken from the man's rib, his side. She doesn't come from his feet. They stand as equals, which tells us it's a partnership that's being described, a relationship wherein people are dependent who are different. Friend, you need complementary relationships, not just people that are just like you. To flourish as a human being, to flourish in Christian community. Do you know you need to be building relationships with people that are of a different gender from you? Men, you need friendships with women. Women, you need friendships with men. Safeguarded by the wisdom that we have in community and figuring out how to do that complicated dance that seems all the more complicated in modern times. But we need gendered mixed relationships. We need friendships with people that are of different racial and cultural backgrounds. Complementing our cultural blind spots. Ways in which we don't see not only parts of the world, but parts of even God. That I need you to speak into my life. Because you're not me. Or economically different Relationships or people that come from different personality backgrounds. Extroverts, you need your introverts. I was going to say, let the introverts say amen, but you're not going to. (laughs) I love you. I'm with you. And introverts, you need your extroverted friends and brothers and sisters as well. To be the body of Christ, different members and body parts with different functions, different strengths and weaknesses, but all together together vital in the body of Christ. And it's precisely in these differences that we find our glory. Not long ago, I was talking to our neighborhood group leaders about just their different groups, our many communities, these small groups, which I commend to you. Jump into a neighborhood group. Be found and known in them. But as some of them were talking about the challenges of building community when there's a, a big age range. No, not everyone has all the same stuff to talk about. Or, or different ethnic background range. And in one case, even some language differences. 
as well. Certainly you can go down the list, personality differences, and just working through, just community is tough. It's a, it's a challenge. And so helpful for us to talk about, hey, hey, that's the way it's supposed to be. Hmm? If relationships are meant to be not just committed relationships, but complementary relationships, we should expect that it's not always easy. It's glorious. It's worth it. It'll fill your heart. It might change your life, but that doesn't mean it's easy, which means don't ever come into church or into community or into your small group expecting for it to feel like happy hour. For it to feel like what it might feel like for you to be surrounded with people only like you who share only your tastes. And yes, there is something to be said about human affinity. Yeah, you too, just like me. Yes, wonderful. We see the world in the same way. But if that's all you have, you're missing out on the glory of community. Committed relationships, complementary relationships, lastly, and really this deserves more than just a two-minute thing, but uncovered relationships. Uncovered relationships. Verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Relationships that are vulnerable, that are emotionally naked before one another. It's this call to transparency, to come out from hiding, which is really, of course, a call to to lose control of your reputation. I don't know about you, but how much energy we burn up in the art and the enterprise of image management. Because I want to make sure I get to control exactly what you think of me. And what parts of you, I mean, what parts of me you see and what you don't see. And that's just exhausting, isn't it? That's just tiring and enslaving. And in fact, even to put it this way, to say that community in Christ is meant to be a a sort of naked sort of community, it just feels so intimidating, doesn't it? It just feels too extreme and too hard. And yet, dear friends, isn't this what we all want? To be fully known with all of our warts and bruises and flaws, to be fully seen for who we truly are, to be accepted and loved. This past week, of course, a little bit of controversy amongst fans of Beyonce, right? Some pictures that were leaked out that were not airbrushed and managed as they normally are and people swarming to sort of try to protect her and all this stuff. And look, it's just this reminder, this great analogy, right? We all live sort of photoshopped lives. What if you actually had the boldness and courage and joy of being able to pass around proverbial pictures of the real you? Flawed complexion of your soul and all. A safe place to be the sinner that you are, a sinner saved by grace. A place where you could unpack your baggage and know that now, okay, your promised friends, your covenanted friends, the committed ones, that they've already told you, I ain't going nowhere no matter what I see. Do you see the security in that? And of course, the greatest assurance being if you've encountered a God who has said that to you. A God who has said, I love you and I accept you and I count you as my own. You belong to me. 
Not because you're perfect, or not because I blur my eyes so that I don't see all the details of all the flaws of your soul, but I see it with crystal clarity, and yet I love you. I forgive you. I accept you. I delight in you. I rejoice over you. I sing songs of you. I'm proud of you. You're my boast. You're the apple of my eye. You're the treasure of my heart. I give up my son for you. I withhold nothing from you. And if you just take those words into your heart, just maybe, just maybe you start to let people in. Let them peek into what you otherwise were too terrified to let them see your weaknesses, your limitations, your ugliness. Because God has already done that for you. And so, of course, we come and finally end with a picture of a community that really rises and falls on our relationship with God in Christ. Because this is the ultimate relationship that we were made for. Created in God's image. Made to be in communion with Him. We've been talking about this the past few weeks. This is your God. Covenanting Himself to you and with you. And out of the joy and the freedom and the life transformation of that relationship, He sends us out. And He says, see those other people around you. I know you're tempted to walk on by. I know you're tempted to flake out tomorrow night. I know you don't want to give things up. You don't want to sacrifice. I know it's hard to persevere when you're kind of different. But I loved you in this way. And I've committed myself to you in this way. Let it change your heart. Will you love your neighbor as yourself, your brother and your sister, as your heavenly Father has loved you all? Let's pray. Pray for your kindness, heavenly Father. We pray for your power, Holy Spirit. We pray for the power of your grace change our relationships, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.